Glad you're here. You can be seated. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. So glad that you are. Real quick before we get started, uh, those of you here Tuesday night, 7 p.m., uh, here in the sanctuary is going to be our prayer meeting. We would really encourage you to make plans to come and join with us and uh, pray with us. So uh, please mark your calendar. So we have two services on Sunday mornings, as I'm sure you're aware of. The first of which is the weekly Bible prophecy update that we've been doing for many years now. And uh, second service is actually the sermon, which is a verse-by-verse -verse teaching through the Word of God. And we're currently in 1 John. Actually, Lord willing, today we'll complete chapter 1 of 1 John. And really looking forward to it because it's going to be much needed good news concerning our struggle with sin and one for which I hope all of us, myself included, by the way, will be encouraged by. So that'll be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time for those of you online. And for those of you watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd really encourage you to go directly to the website, jdfarag.org. There you will find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, we're going to get to it. I chose the title of Under the Prophetic Radar because it's an apt description of the swiftness with which everything is flying at us in the world today. The idiom under the radar has the meaning of something going undetected and not getting the attention of those who are monitoring and watching. In warfare, this is dangerous and deadly, such that incoming warplanes flying under the radar was a powerful deception in attacking without detection. Not only is this tactic effective in its deception, so too is a similar tactic effective in its confusion and distraction. In February of 1942, during World War II, the British Royal Air Force launched, <laughs> interesting, Operation Gamora, deploying what came to be known as CHAF, in their week-long bombing campaign against Hamburg, Germany. CHAF was an effective radar countermeasure in which the British aircraft would release a cloud of thin pieces of aluminized paper or strips of metalized glass fiber. And by doing this, the Germans' radar screens, which only operated in three frequency ranges at the time, making them susceptible to jamming, were swamped with these clusters, and it created a massive distraction and, of course, subsequent confusion. So effective was this tactic the Germans' radar-guided master searchlights were as useless as the anti-aircraft gunfire was aimless. You probably already know where I'm going with this, so I'll just get to the point. 
for a change. <laughs> Would you agree that this is exactly what's happening today? What's on our spiritual radars is going undetected and or being bombarded and clustered with distraction, deception, and confusion. So in my time with the Lord this last week, I was struck by the eerie similarity prophetically in the context of today's spiritual warfare. And by that I mean so much is coming at us so fast. And because it's stealth, as it were, the deception, distraction, and confusion is astonishing. But God. But God has given us eyes to see, ears to hear. And if we're willing to utilize our biblical radar of spiritual discernment, we won't be deceived. We won't be distracted when bombarded. And these things that are flying at us so much, so fast, will not go undetected. There's a most fascinating account in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, that speaks to this. Let me kind of give you the backstory so you know what's going down here. It's really fascinating. So the king of Syria, who was at war with Israel, was planning a stealth attack against Israel. But there was one problem. And the problem was that his plan was somehow showing up on Elisha's spiritual radar, which is why Elisha has been warning the king of Israel to be watchful. When the king of Syria learns this, he's greatly troubled, and he calls this emergency meeting thinking, there's a spy in our midst. Otherwise, how would the king of Israel know what we're going to do before we do it? Certainly there has to be a traitor, a double agent, a spy. So emergency meeting. In this meeting, the servants convinced the king of Syria, uh, sorry, but there's no spies here. Uh, here's what's going on here. Uh, there's a prophet in Israel. His name is Elisha. And he tells the king of Israel, get this, the very words you speak in your bedroom, how does he know? <laughs> oh, God is the one who lets him know. Well, as you might imagine, the king of Syria becomes so enraged and he sends his army under the radar at night and surrounds the city. His plan is to go undetected in order to kill the prophet Elisha, which is where we pick it up beginning in verse 14. And I'll read through to verse 23, 2 Kings 6. Therefore he, speaking of the king of Syria, 
sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, speaking of Elisha, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he, again speaking of Elisha, answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now just stop there for a moment and just indulge me for a moment, if you will. Um, if I'm Elisha's servant and he says that to me after I show him and tell him what I'm seeing, which is <laughs> this Syrian army, this great horde of, of army against, coming against us to kill us. And he says, don't freak out. Do not be afraid. There are more that are for us than there are those who are with them. And I can just imagine the servant, because I would totally do this. I would be like looking, saying, where? Uh, are you looking at the same? I'm, I'm looking over here, Elisha. Yeah, I know where you're looking. Well, apparently you don't see it. So we're told in verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. So then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots. Chariots of fire, by the way. There's some Elijah in there, because Elijah had a thing with fire. I, I know it's maybe conjecture, but I kind of think Elijah was a pyromaniac, you know, because anyway. That, so full of horses. So here's the Syrian army, and Elisha prays that his servant's eyes are open. The Lord opens his eyes, and what does he see? For th this little itsy-bitsy army that's so adorable, and the host of heaven, chariots of fire. And, and if you can imagine, I mean, put yourself there. Put yourself there. And you're looking at this servant, and you're thinking what he's thinking like, oh, because he's a local servant. And he's saying to himself, God's got this. That's the point. Oh, thank you, God, for allowing me to see into the realm of the Spirit with spiritual eyes to see what you have for us. So, when the Syrians came down to him, verse 18, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray with blindness. Wow. So let me see if I got this straight. So he prays that his servant's eyes will be open, and then he prays that the army will have their eyes closed and be blind. And what does the Lord do in response? He struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Prayer is a powerful thing. Don't get any ideas now, thinking about your enemies. Now, verse 19, Elisha said to them, 
This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek, which is me, but you can't see because you've been blinded. Because they're, they're after him. They have a contract out on him to kill him. And the very guy that they have been sent to kill is the guy saying, after he's been blinded, after they've been blinded, hey, I'll take you to the guy. <laughs> I'm standing right in front of you, but I'll take you to him. But he led them to Samaria. So it was, verse 20, when they had come to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. Now, when the king of Israel, verse 21, saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? See, again, I would have totally done that. I would, I would have said, thank you, Elisha, for bringing the enemy into our hands. Now, uh, with your permission, we would like to kill them. I would totally do that. And so would you too. So don't think yourself all that. <laughs> but listen to Elisha's answer, verse 22. You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Wow, wow, wow. I don't know, did you catch something there? Um, the Syrian army was not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. Uh, we wrestle not against people, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. We're in a spiritual war. This is spiritual warfare. And the weaponry we've been given, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, is not carnal weaponry. The weaponry we've been given is spiritual weaponry to fight this spiritual battle. And what does he do? There's redemption here. There's grace here. There's even salvation here. Their lives are saved from the king of Israel and your pastor and those of you who wanted to kill him. But Elisha saves them, saves their lives. There's an important lesson I don't want to miss it, but we need to move on. But please hear me when I say this. We have bought the lie, sadly, that they are the enemy. They are not the enemy. They, and you can fill in that blank, they are the opportunity. They are the mission fields. I was thinking this last week, uh, this is uh, the Holy Spirit just brought this to my uh, remembrance. And I just want to share it with you. It's a very interesting word from the Lord to me personally, and I want to share it with you. So I want to frame it with a question. Why does not the church evangelize people? Answer, because the church is too busy demonizing people. Uh, 
if you're demonizing, you will most certainly not be evangelizing. And I think this is exactly what we're seeing here. Uh, the, the enemy is the enemy in the realm of the Spirit. How do you know that God did not bring that person into your path for such a time as this to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And if you won't do it, deliverance will come from another, as Mordecai said to Esther. He'll find somebody else, because you've already blown it. You already posted something on social media on their page, blasting them. Well, so now God's got to find somebody else, because you're not the vessel now. You're not the vessel. How are you going to evangelize the person that you demonize as the enemy? So God will find somebody. His eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth. I didn't mean to go this far, but maybe there's, this is for somebody here today or watching online. Please hear me out. Maybe the Lord has and desires to bring somebody into your path as his eyes have searched to and fro throughout the earth, looking for hearts fully devoted to him so that he could be strong on their behalf and use those people that he finds in his search. And when he finds somebody, oh, he'll bring somebody into that person's path because he knows they'll be good stewards, because he knows the end from the beginning. He'll be good stewards of the opportunity that he's just presented to them. What's the opportunity? The opportunity is to share Jesus with them because they need Jesus. Let's not be Jonas. What do you mean? Uh, the Ninevites? slash demon rats of today. Was that too much? Must have been by your reaction. No, he, he hated them. He hated them. God loved them. He wanted God to kill them. God wanted to save them. So when, when Jonah goes, he doesn't even present the gospel. There's no good news. It's just God's going to torch you, and I can't wait. I'm going to get a front row seat, pop some popcorn. I'll be right here. Can't wait. 40 days, man. Can't come soon enough. God is going to torch you. And what is their response? They repent. What happens with Jonah? He gets angry with God. You can't save them. I just did. The king of Israel with the Syrian army, you can't feed them. I just did. They're not the enemy. They're the opportunity. All right. Back to the prophecy update already in progress. <laughs> the reason I'm beginning this way is because all of us, and I include myself, have unfettered access to that which God gave Elisha and subsequently his servant vis-a-vis -vis prayer. Prayer is the vehicle, the avenue. I think we, and again I'm including myself in this, do err greatly when we disenfranchise ourselves from scriptures like this under the banner of, well, of course, that's Elisha. I'm not an Elisha. 
well, you may not be an Elisha, but this is the same God yesterday, today, and forever of Elisha. And when we do that, when we disconnect ourselves, we tie the hands of God's many and mighty miracles with the ropes of our spiritual blindness and lack of discernment. Here's the truth. Like with Elisha, God, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever, has given us the same spiritual radar that He gave Elisha. In other words, what he had access to and availed himself of then, is that which we too can have access to and avail ourselves of today. We can have that spiritual discernment and insight into the realm of the supernatural. Would to God that we would pray as Elisha did that our spiritual eyes would be open to see the spiritual war instead of being so blind to it. Did you notice that every time Elisha prayed it had to do with either opening eyes or shutting eyes, so that they would either be blind to see or not blind so they could see. What's your point? My point is that we need to pray, Lord, give me spiritual eyes to see. Let me see this through the lens of this supernatural insight and perspective. So I can see <laughs> the host of heaven, the, the army, the chariots of fire. I would really like to see myself a couple of those, by the way. And if, oh, we could only see what God has and what God is doing for us, because if God is for us, and He most certainly is, then no thing or no one can come against us. Oh, again, would to God that when we see the enemy, and the army, <laughs> and the threat, and the fear sets in, that God would give us eyes to see. Ah, no, 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 no. That's adorable. If you could only see what I see <laughs> in the spiritual arena, those angels given charge concerning me, the eye of the Lord never is always upon me. The hand of the Lord is always for me, protecting me. Well, if you'll kindly allow me to, I'd like for us to first activate this spiritual radar prophetically. Then second, I'd like for us to make the much needed application personally. In order to do that, we'll go ahead at this time and end the live stream on Facebook and YouTube and redirect you to the website if you're not there already. So what follows are some of the spiritual attacks of prophetic significance that are undetected and or bombarded and clustered 
in all the deception, distraction, and confusion. Um, again, this is my purpose, subjective, if you prefer. Uh, and my prayer is that all of us, again, myself included, would get these on our spiritual radars because of the paramount importance of doing so, because doing so will have the effect of opening our eyes to the seriousness of the lateness of the hour in which we live. I'll start with this report from the Jerusalem Post just this last Monday, the 24th, about 3D printed micro needle patches helping in bringing vaccines to the masses. Now, right out of the chute, we have several problems, not the least of which is that this is yet more, and I'm going to use a word here, and I'm going to expound on this for what I think are going to be understanding reasons, as I hope you'll see. I'm going to use the word propaganda. Why am I emphasizing this word? Because sadly, when I use a word like propaganda, which I do often, I think it was maybe last week or the week prior, I use it in the context of the Russia-Ukraine war. It's, a, it's all propaganda. And I was actually, I have to confess, I was a little bit stunned by the collective naivete as to the true meaning of this word propaganda. Now, in all fairness, I do have to also confess something else. And this was brought to me, uh, to my attention by uh, a dear friend and brother. Um, I used the word conundrum incorrectly last week. Uh, God's a forgiving God, so you have to forgive me too. I, I was emphatic and enunciated the word conundrum, conundrum. That's actually not a word. I knew what the word meant. I just didn't know how to pronounce it. So I just wanted to get that off my chest and out there so you understand. Now, I bring that up because and we talked about this on Thursday night. There's another word. We have really no idea what this word means. And as such, we do not include it in our vocabulary. The word abomination. It was replete throughout the two chapters in Ezekiel that we studied on Thursday night. What, what, what is the true meaning of the word? I think we need to rightly divide the word and search the scriptures so that we're not embarrassed like your pastor is last week when he takes a word like conundrum and butchers it like I did. But we, we need to understand what these words really mean. And I want to take just a moment and talk about this word propaganda. And maybe explaining what it does not mean will be helpful in understanding what it does mean. Propaganda does not mean that the information reported is untrue or even that it's not really happening. That's not what propaganda means. Rather, Propaganda does mean that the information reported is deliberately misleading for the purpose of creating bias, influencing opinions, 
and by extension, programming behaviors. So this is really happening, but propaganda twists it, spins it, and tailors it around this agenda and campaign. And a successful propaganda campaign will promote and publicize a particular political viewpoint and opinion. And the success of propaganda is predicated upon heavy manipulation so as to bring about a powerful deception. And this Jerusalem Post headline is a textbook example of said propaganda. And if you'll hear me out, I'll explain why. The propaganda headline reads, quote, 3D printed micro needle patches can help bring vaccine to the masses. That's propaganda. This headline alone is misleading. It's manipulating. It's deceiving by virtue of the presupposition that said vaccine needs to get to the masses. Wait, <laughs> that's propaganda. And here's why. If said virus is so deadly and said vaccine so safe and effective, wouldn't it stand to reason that you would not have to get it to the masses? Wouldn't the masses get to it to get it? That's propaganda. See, it's misleading. It's deceptive because it, it comes insidiously packaged with this presupposition that masses are clamoring, standing in line, screaming, where's my vaccine? They're actually doing the opposite. They're screaming all right, not for the vaccine. They're screaming to not have to take the vaccine. Why are you looking at me like that? I, I think about, I feel like Jeremiah and Ezekiel do not be afraid of their faces. I'm not going to look at your faces anymore. I'm just going to look down at my notes because you give me that look like, what? Okay, that's all right. I'm used to it. Um, so did you connect those propaganda dots? I hope so, because this exposes another deception and distraction having to do with what is being done under the radar, or if you prefer, under the skin. Over the last couple, three years, we've seen on our biblical radar how that this is a marker of the mark of the beast, pun intended, by the way. Listen to this one quote from the Jerusalem Post. The 3D printer produces patches with hundreds of keyword micro needles, hang on to that, containing vaccine. And each patch could be attached to the skin, on the skin to get in the skin allowing the vaccine to dissolve without the need for a traditional injection. Okay. Now, because we've covered this in depth in numerous updates, I'll provide you with just a brief summary, specifically 
how and why it is that this will very soon become, become the mark in chapter 13 of Revelation when the beast is given power during the seven-year tribulation. I'm going to proceed with the understanding that you know Revelation 13 verses 16 through 18 is about the mark without which no man will be able to buy or sell. And I would like to draw your attention to two other verses in Revelation 18.23 and 9.21. Let's start with 18.23. This is the judgment pronounced against Babylon. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth for, listen very carefully, by your sorcery, all the nations, all the nations were deceived. Revelation 9.21, and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, why am I bringing this up again today? Because this 3D printing technology brings the mark into clearer and nearer focus. Namely, as it relates to the specificity of the meaning of the words mark in Revelation 13, 16 through 18, and sorceries in Revelation 9, 21, and 1823. Let's first talk about the word mark. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, the word mark is karagma, and it comes from the root word karax, and carries with it the idea of a stamp, tattoo, stake, or palisade. Pictured here, is a photo of what ancient palisades would have looked like with their sharp micro-needle tips. Pictured here is one of two screenshots from an article posted this last Monday showing this 3D printing of these micro-needles slash palisades. And here's the second one. And note how that these 3D printed micro needles slash palisades are injected ink, I'm quoting, and this injected ink, end quote, like with a tattoo, so it's small enough like with a quote patch, you can apply it to the forehand or the forehead. This is a close-up from a Georgia Tech YouTube video from five years ago, actually, from back in 2018. And it shows this Band-Aid-sized patch with these micro-needles slash palisades. This is a close-up look at it. You can see them more clearly. And 3D printers are printing these. Here's a picture from the same video of a woman as she places it on her forehand. And you know what's interesting about this? This technology has already been in place for many years now. And now the advances are such that we can actually print these 3D. And that's not all we can print 3D. For those of you that are familiar with the 
I mean, it is just mind-boggling technology, this 3D technology, which I believe came vis-a-vis -vis Satan himself, uh, artificial intelligence, which is not, well, it's not artificial intelligence, it's demonic intelligence. Because Lu Lucifer, Satan, is very intelligent, and he downloaded that intelligence to human beings in exchange for their soul, by the way. And it's the same lie as it was in the garden. Uh, if you eat from this tree, your, your eyes will be open and you will live forever like God. So these people have been deceived into believing that apart from the person of Jesus Christ, they can have eternal life. So the, that's where transhumanism comes in, which we're going to talk about in a moment. They actually believe that if they do this, that they will live forever. They will surely not die, as the serpent said to Eve. Now, add to the mark, stamp, tattoo, palisades, the word sorcery. Now this, this is where it gets, I guess I'll use the word chilling for lack of a better one, because sorcery is the Greek word pharmakion, where we get our English word for pharmacy and pharmaceutical. And I know we've talked about this, but just bear with me. It carries with it the idea of a magic potion and even poisonous injections used in ritual witchcraft and satanic magic arts, often with palisade-like snake fangs. That's what they would do in these practices of sorcery. They would use the snake fangs, which by the way are hollow. That's when a snake bites. The poison from that poisonous snake comes through those palisades, those fangs. This mark will be a tattoo-like patch with these sharp palisade snake fang-like microneedles that stamped on the forehand or forehead, delivering the poison. Now for those asking if the current injection is already the mark of the beast, let me hasten to say once again, it is not yet, nor can it not be yet, because the rapture hasn't happened yet. The seven-year tribulation hasn't started yet, and the Antichrist hasn't been revealed yet. And I'll add one more, the beast has not been empowered yet. That all comes in and during the seven-year tribulation. And by the way, maybe parenthetically, I need to say for anyone who is really struggling and you had to acquiesce to the mandate and take this thing and you're mortified and horrified, listen, uh, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you cannot be unborn again. If you're saved, you cannot be unsaved. So nothing you can do can separate you from the love that God has for you. So don't let the enemy do that to you. If you've taken this thing 
And by the way, maybe I need to also say this. I need to get a lot of things off my chest, it seems, today. I just am, I'm, I'm stunned when I hear that there are those saying, I think Pastor JD took the injection. Please laugh, because you know that is as absurd as absurd can be. Uh, just to be clear, to go on the record, I never have, and I never, ever, ever will. Okay? And <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> I've never even been tested. Now you had to go there, Pastor. I've had 150,000 tests. That's okay. I've never allowed them to ever put into my brain, through my nose, anything. I've never been tested. And here's the thing. I've never been sick. No. That came out very wrong. <laughs> Let me rephrase that <laughs> before a lightning bolt comes down and strikes me. By the grace of God, the grace and mercy of God, I have never gotten this thing. I've never been sick. And if anyone should be, it should be someone like me with my asthma. And I have never gotten this thing. I've never been sick. Uh, all, all the glory goes to God. But I've never allowed them to put anything into my body. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. Okay. That's off my chest now. I think we're good for, for now anyway. So again, back to our update already in progress. So this is the reason that I wanted to go into this. These developments have to be, I want you to think this through with me, they have to be under the radar as Satan sets up the stage before the final curtain is drawn. And this because the Antichrist cannot be revealed leading to the start of the tribulation until we're raptured prior to the tribulation. And we know this, why? Because of the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians 2, which describes this in chronological order and comports with hermeneutically Daniel 9.27. Her hermeneutics is a word that makes me sound more intelligent than I really am. It just means Scripture interpreting Scripture. Actually, the 2 Thessalonians 2 and Daniel 9.27 prophecies speak to the centrality of Israel such that it's the scope of the radar. Let me explain. Bible prophecy related to the seven-year tribulation centers on Israel, is about Israel, happens in Israel, and is for Israel. So we shouldn't be surprised that most of what we see happening is coming from Israel in the sense that it's led by Israel. Enter this video titled Israel, leading the way to transhumanism. It was posted on Wednesday the 19th. In it, Ilana Rachel Daniel of the Jerusalem Report presents, and this is so thoroughly and well documented, she presents an explanation of how the country of Israel continues, quote, to be used as a pilot project nation. What follows are excerpts from the transcript that I was able to create of the video. Quote, 
In returning to Israel, I encountered a new stark picture of the dangers we face. It is with increasing concern that we find this country continues to be used as a pilot project nation for too many of the dark changes the world is undergoing. These threats present themselves on several fronts, and as with Pfizer, they come first to the Israeli people and are later intended for you. That is the digitization of healthcare as promoted by the World Health Organization and genomic database collection. Still quoting, many were shocked at Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's statements during an interview with Jordan Peterson. By the way, I uh, covered that in a previous update. They edited it out. I found it. And I shared it in an update. I mean, it's breathtaking, no pun intended. <laughs> but she says, this interview with Netanyahu, Jordan Peterson, he unabashedly announced his plans for a national genomic database, which would be sold to the highest paying industry. In 2016, the Ministry of Health launched Healthcare Israel, a quasi-department purportedly created to form partnerships with governments worldwide around digital health technologies and expertise. I think I would be grossly remiss if I didn't point out in this uh, screenshot, and maybe the guys can put it back online, uh, I actually know this uh, former ambassador to the United Nations from Israel, Ron Prasor. He's on the far right. Uh, I had, um, I actually know him well. I haven't talked to him in a, a few years. And I think uh, this is <laughs> maybe uh, me just wanting to reiterate that uh, this is a guy that I've been praying for for years that needs Jesus. He's a very intelligent man. Um, but he needs Jesus. And he's a part of all of this, but he's not the enemy. And I happen to know him. He's actually a friend, and he's also actually an opportunity. If the Lord puts it on your heart, pray for him. Ambassador Ron Prasor. One such example, continuing to quote, is a 2018 digital health agreement with China in the domain of emergency readiness and digital health for, interesting, three years' time. Also in 2018, this is 2018, you guys. Let that sink in. The Israeli government created the National Plan for Digital Health as a national growth engine under the guise, radar, of bringing developments and industry to the nation, they awarded the project approximately one billion with a B shekels. This allowed the groundwork to be laid for all inclusive development of digital, digital health technology pre-2020, digital health technology, and a massive genomic database. And who could describe it better than BB? I want you to hear key parts of the statement he made, quote, 
We are developing the industries of tomorrow. In effect, these are the industries of today. They are based on a combination of three things. Very large databases, artificial intelligence, and connectivity. We can expect a significant increase in new products. What are the new products? Israel has a gigantic database that embraces almost the entire population. This is a focused data bank of the health records of almost each and every one of us over the last, wait for it, two decades, 20 years, 20 years, 2003, 2003. Okay, let me catch my breath and lower my blood pressure real quick. This is, just fries my bacon because when people don't realize this has been in the works <laughs> under the radar for decades, decades, well nigh 100 years, probably even more. Okay. Hopefully that'll be the last thing I have to get off my chest. Ilana goes on to say, our hyper ambitious prime minister continues to use the people and resources of this land as pawns to play global games. The trade and monetization of our medical data is a privacy once sacred, now profaned. It's been stolen and sold without our say-so. Again, in 2018, busy year for these guys. Israel began by gathering the gene sequencing of 100,000 people and creation of today's genomic and clinical medical database infrastructure that equips the digital health initiatives. And this is where we come to the heart of the matter. Israel's bioconvergence program, which in a word is where the nuts and bolts of a transhumanist future is being built. Still quoting, they are transforming Israel into a world bioconvergence leader. Bioconvergence is at its essence, the merging of engineering and biology, man and machine, which curiously got its momentum in 2020. Uh, again, let me, I'm not quoting, let me just insert this. I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but this that we've experienced over the last three years was created for that which we're now seeing them executing, <laughs> poor choice of words, but for lack of a better word, today. In other words, uh, the vaccine so-called, which is not, was not created for COVID. COVID was created for the so-called vaccine, which is 
coming in and under the radar with it is transhumanism, bioconvergence, all of the above. Quoting again, let's try to illustrate. Biosensors will be implanted, implanted into your body. Hmm, that was exactly what I think we just read and referred to in reference in Revelation 13. Hmm. Biosensors will be implanted into your body for constant monitoring of its organs and ghost smart nano robots, the drug delivery technology already in use, transport stem cells directly inside the chosen organ. 3D, there it is, bioprinted tissues will be used to build new organs using nanobots and implant them into the tissues with so-called enhanced qualities. They actually call them cyborg tissue, cyborg tissue made of biological materials and electronic components that will integrate into your body's tissues. This. Uh, uh, screenshot. By the way, we have links to all of this. But if you if you follow the progression of this technology, it is just astounding. <laughs> uh, this then creates what's called optogenetics, which aims to activate specific neurons in your brain using rapid pulses of light chip technology. And this allows the growth of human tissue with specific organ function outside the body, like on a plastic chip, for example. How creepy is that? This is synthetic biology, which is DNA sequencing and the creation and writing of new genes. The corona crisis was the great bait and switch to this mRNA technology and only the beginning of the digitization, digitization of all worlds. It is not limited to digital transactions. This is the digitization of your body. They've kept the vast majority of us from ever learning about this under the radar. And that's coming home to roost with CBDCs. Close quote. We've talked a lot about CBDCs. It's an acronym for Centralized Bank Digital Currency, and it's coming under this biodigital cyborg technology, which is also under the radar. And one lead looked no further than to the recent reports and press releases about this crypto-based CBDC that's being dubbed Unicoin. Unicoin. In the interest of time, I'll quickly share three such reports, all of which again point to the soon coming mark of the beast. This first one comes from Binance. Binance is a cryptocurrency exchange. This was on Friday the 21st, titled DCMA launches crypto-based CBDC called Unicoin. Quote, 
the Digital Currency Monetary Authority, DCMA, has announced the launch of its Universal Monetary Unit, UMU, dubbed Unicoin. Unicoin is an international central bank digital currency, CBDC, that facilitates cross-border payments via digital currency rails. That's an interesting choice of words, rails. They control it. You have to stay in the rails or you'll get your account suspended. The second one is from Banking Exchange, and I need to note that the link, I was informed just this morning, early, that it's uh, no longer, uh, they pulled it. And I thought, I prayed, I said, Lord, should I, should I pull it? And I basically got this sense that no, in fact, the very reason they pulled it is why you need to quote it, because what does that tell you when they pull something like this? Listen to this. It was on Monday, this last Monday, the 24th, title, Crypto Firm Launches Coin as International CBDC. This was a total setup with the collapse of that major crypto exchange. I mean, it shook. It was earth shaking <laughs> when it comes to digital currency. So they sort of fill in some of the blanks. Here's what they say, quote, Washington, D.C. based company has launched a new digital currency overseen by the Commodities, Futures and Trade Commission. Unicoin launched earlier this month by the Digital Currency Monetary Authority, DCMA, nobody's ever heard of them, is designed to be an international central bank digital currency capable of supporting, and I want you to notice this word, instantaneous cross-border payments. Translated, it's going to be in you, not on you. Uh, I share with you about my experience going into um, uh, an, uh, a place in Kailua town, and I, um, you know, uh, I, I, I used an antiquated old, uh, what they call credit cards uh, to pay. I wanted to use cash, but you know, a lot of people don't accept cash anymore. I don't know if you've noticed that. That's the whole point. So I pull out my card, I pay for my uh, things, and then somebody right behind me is uh, in the checkout line, doesn't have very many items, and he promptly presents his phone. Huh? And they scanned his phone. I'm thinking, oh, get the behind me, Satan. Don't do that, because you don't need your phone pretty soon, you know. Pretty soon you just put your hand, they already have that, palm scan, facial scan, facial recognition, and it reads what's been implanted in you, 3D printed especially for you, and it scans, done, paid. Oh, but wait, your account suspended, insufficient credit. Seems that your score has been debited and uh, you don't have enough credits in your account to complete this transaction. Have a nice afternoon. So that's what CBDC is. Listen to this word, instantaneous. That's biodigital. This third and last one is from last September, which is a White House press release with the heading, 
technical possibilities for a U.S. central bank digital currency. There's one more that I want to share, and this was kind of a late addition, and it has to do with this March 21st, 118th Congress first session, Bill S-884, which states that it's, and I quote, a bill to establish a government-wide approach to improving digital identity and for other purposes. What? What's the other purposes? Oh, that's under the radar. Oh, not for long, because I'm going to pray like Elisha did, and the Lord's going to open up my eyes, and I'm going to see, oh, oh, you're doing that? Oh, that's what's coming against us, flying at us? <laughs> Bring it, because you have no idea what's behind you in the spiritual realm. I'll come full circle and end the way we began by saying that I hope, and the Lord knows my heart when I say this, that all of our spiritual radars, mine included, by the way, will be activated prophetically. Activated spiritual radars prophetically is the catalyst for providing the much needed application personally. What's the much needed application personally? It's simply this. All of these prophecies are on our radars. And if activated, they can be detected, and if detected, they serve as a warning of just how close this is to its target on the radar. And if that activated radar is working, <laughs> uh, you can put all the chaff and the distractions and create all the confusion. On, on my radar, but I can see through that because God's given me eyes to see, and I see what's coming. I see how close it is. I see how fast it's coming. And here's what the personal application is for me personally. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That trumpet's going to sound. Have you seen that radar? I did, but it's all fuzzy. And <laughs> well, let's clear it up. This clears it up. Because when you clearly see and have eyes to see, you're looking at this going, they're really close. They're over the target, and it's just a matter of time. And when whatever it is that they're going to have come down, <laughs> Lord, thank you, because What's going down means that we're going up. I'm not trying to be cute. I couldn't be cute even if I tried. <laughs> but you get the point, right? I think you'd agree that all of us would do well to take heed to the radar warnings, which show us just how close the targeted end truly is. And this is why we always end these updates with the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. If you'll give me just a couple more minutes, I'd like to share with you the ABCs of salvation, which is a very simple childlike explanation of the gospel and salvation. And then also we'll end with today's But God testimony. So the ABCs again, let me preface it this way. 
it's just one way. It's not the way. It's a simple way. And it's actually even simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B, just believe. There's nothing you have to do. It's already been done. But there is this um, pattern, I guess, if you will, for lack of a better word to describe it. And we see it with the thief on the cross, as he's affectionately referred to. There's this acknowledging, this admitting, I've sinned. I, I, I deserve to be up here being crucified. It's this acknowledging that I'm a sinner, because when I acknowledge I'm a sinner, then that means that I'm going to need and want the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 kind of packages the bad news first with the good news. The bad news is, is that the wages of sin is death. And this ushers in the good news, which is salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ, because the good news is the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to talk about this second service. I'm really looking forward to three verses tucked at the end of chapter 1 in 1 John. And at first read, we are all prone to just kind of read past it. But man, there's so much in it. And I can't wait to teach it, which is my privilege to. So the B, again, central is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the C lastly is for call upon the name of the Lord or confess with your mouth as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's so simple. How does that work? Well, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. What's the debt? Well, the death penalty, the sin debt, which sentenced me to death. And Jesus went to his death in my stead with his bloodshed. And that's the good news. So all I have to do is believe in him. And as that thief on the cross did, I acknowledge Him. You are the Savior. I'm, I should be up here. You shouldn't. You're innocent. And then He believed in Him, put His trust in Him, and then He called out to Him, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus responded and said, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto thee, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's ABC simple. That's B simple. Kind of got a little bit of a ring to it. Don't make another t-shirt. I got so many t-shirts. All right. Today's But God testimony. 
comes from Sigmund Brewer, who writes, Hello, brother in Christ. It has been two years since I've sent you the threatening letters, not to me, <laughs> from my place of work. Oh, okay. They ended up putting me on an unpaid leave of absence for nearly two years. This is so cool. It's a Second Kings 6 Elisha but God testimony. I haven't been able to set foot in their facility unless I bow down to their vaccine demands. But God saw me through as I remained faithful in following His voice in keeping away from these deadly experimental gene therapies. The Lord made sure that I was able to work other places so that I could keep the bills paid due to the wicked coercion that was placed upon me. Well, I received a surprise in the mail a few days ago, which was back on, as pictured here, uh, back in March. It's the biggest but God that God has ever shown me. So here's just some of what was written in this letter from his employer, quoting, as you know, we continue to take all necessary and appropriate steps to navigate the challenging and evolving COVID-19 pandemic. I'm sorry if I'm chuckling. This is a sanctified chuckle. One such step was implementing a mandatory vaccination program. Under this program, we supported our team members and residents in becoming fully vaccinated against COVID-19. At the time we implemented that program, this approach was the most effective way to combat the direct threat that COVID-19 posed to the health and safety of the valued individuals who live in, visit, and serve our communities. Aww. We are pleased. <laughs> I'm just, let me have this, okay? Still quoting the letter. We are pleased to announce changes to our COVID-19 policies and procedures. Effective Friday, March 17th, we will retire the COVID-19 vaccination policy and discontinue the requirements to become and remain fully vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 as a condition of employment or continued employment subject to applicable laws. This decision is consistent with President Biden's recent announcement regarding the end of the national emergency and public health emergency declarations related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Please be aware, listen to this, that all Medicare and Medicaid certified providers are currently still required to ensure that all applicable team members are fully vaccinated primary series plus two weeks in accordance with applicable laws. I said, let me have it. In addition, we will continue to comply with all applicable state or local laws. Please note that pursuant to our leaves of absence policies and procedures, as well as our prior communications concerning your leave of absence, we cannot guarantee that we will be able to return you to the same or similar position you held prior to the start of your leave of absence. In the event that you do not respond to this letter by March 31st, what time is it now? Too late. We will consider you to have voluntarily resigned from your position. Isn't that just, just, it's just, <laughs> he ends by saying, Please share this with our brothers and sisters for further encouragement. And I thank you all for your prayers, because this is proof that prayer 
and faith truly works. The reason I refer to this as a second Kings six, but God testimony is because you see through the eyes of faith. You see through the eyes of faith and like Elisha, you pray, God, open my eyes, open their eyes that I might see by faith through the eyes of faith, because you're going to have the final word on this. They're trying to get this in under the radar. They're trying to bombard and confuse me and deceive me and distract me. Now, give me eyes so I can see clearly. Thank you, Lord. Come on up, Capono. You can stand up. Praise the Lord. Yeah. God is so good. Uh, real quick, before we close, I I, I have a note here to thank an anonymous giver who sent in a generous gift online. Thank you very much. I, I don't know your name because you wanted to remain anonymous, which is basically meaning that you don't want us to know your name. Okay, so thank you, anonymous. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Lord. Ah, man. Thank you that we have access to what Elisha had access to. Thank you that when we pray for eyes to see, you answer and give us eyes to see. Lord, take this that we've seen here today now and do that which only you can and are always so faithful to do. We're desperate for you to do that for us, Lord. And Lord, if there's anybody that only you know, because you know the heart that's even here in this church service or certainly watching online, that has never put their trust in you and believed in you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation that they would not delay the most important decision of their life for eternal life. And for those of us, Lord, that are watching very closely our spiritual radars, it's getting very exciting. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll encourage the discouraged, strengthen the weary, because we know what this means by faith. And we see that with the eyes of faith. It's not seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing. And we believe, Lord, and we will see, and we know that you're coming very soon. And so, Lord, we end our prayer this way. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen.